It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Guessman, coming to you on Monday, December 21st, just four more days until Christmas, recording on the shortest day of the year, which means we'll probably have the shortest show of the year as well. That actually never happens, so I just won't even say it. Uh, we're going to give you a coaching update. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the other coaches that may have just come available and why they're not coming to the LA Galaxy, and if that was a leading statement to start it off, well, so be it. Uh, also, some interesting news surrounding Julian Araujo as well. So some little things sprinkled in there. I'm sure we have some good updates for you to help me do all of that is the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? Hey, are you planning any holiday parties? You're having anyone come over no, for the no, holidays? Are you no. going to do everything? No, no, we shut it. We shut it all down. There's, there is nothing. I didn't invite you over. You didn't invite me. Uh, my family. Nope. Everybody's staying apart. The, the closest we're going to get, Kevin, maybe, is we might go into somebody's backyard on Christmas and open some presents at a respectable, a respectable distance away from everybody. Well, I mean, the idea that you didn't invite me over that makes this just like every other Christmas in history. But. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm glad you're paying attention to those things. I am taking um, my wife is the uh, esteemed Mrs. Panda is is actually off for Christmas, so we'll be t- boring each other. But we are going to take a, a, a suggestion from some of the televised soccer games. We're gonna we're gonna pipe in crowd noise into our house, to make it feel like there's a party going on. That, that's that's very home alone of you, right? Whenever whenever Kev yeah, goes we'll, ahead, we'll, we'll, yeah. We'll be we'll be alone, but we'll we'll be able to hear like the drums and the, and and fake crowd noise, people chanting. Okay, that that's will make good. us feel better. That sounds good. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. Well, good. Um, shortest day of the year, as I mentioned, um, which means it feels like I've been in the dark uh, for for actually for years. It feels like I've been in the dark. Uh, but anyway, uh, hope everybody's doing well, well. You have been. Yeah, I know. I know. Tell me about it. Um, I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, I know. Not not so fun outside of the, the walls of your house or, or wherever you're, you're, you're barricaded into right now. Um, but we'll try to give you some soccer news and, and get you pointed towards a, a hopefully brighter and better 2021. So we'll keep our fingers crossed on that. Well, uh, well, well, yes. Before we, get, before we get away from that, though, let's have some shout outs. Sarah Hall, longtime Galaxy season ticket holder, going back to the Rose Bowl days. She's a frontline worker, and she got her COVID... Um, vaccine today the first the first dose so that's great and, and you were telling me there's some other people in galaxy land that have also gotten the vaccine already yeah i know i know that there are some some others um just some some galaxy fans that i've seen as uh, sylvia who uh who is uh is a big galaxy fan um i'm pretty sure she got hers um out there as well i know there were a couple other guys who got them as well so i, I know that, that and they're frontline healthcare workers and that's why they're getting them and that's awesome and i'm very excited for all of them um as it sort of uh, goes around one of the guys in uh, in our office his fiance got one as well so we feel it, it feels like all of a sudden people that you know are actually getting this and uh, and it makes it a little bit more real and i thought that that would take a lot longer to sort of get to that point but uh it seems like people are uh, are getting vaccinated i'm 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 excited like i said as soon as they call my name uh, i'll be ready to go rock and roll i'll take two like whatever i need to do give just put it in the arm let's 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 get this going um you know uh, i i'm hopeful that the sooner that happens that the sooner we quote unquote get back to normal how normal that ends up being it was of course will be by shades and degrees but uh you know hey if i can see some friends uh high five some people maybe give a little hugs every once in a while i i, I will be a much happier person i'll tell you right now 
Okay, I'm going to wet blanket all that by saying I just read a story today that Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, is already thinking about the possibility of the NBA having to go back into quarantine if uh, they run into coronavirus problems at the start of the season. So I, I say that only only not to, to tout the NBA, but just to to maybe have people think a little bit differently about how soon we're going to be back into MLS stadiums. Yes, it's outdoors. It's a totally different environment. But I think there had been some uh, indications from the league that they thought maybe in the spring or even early summer we might be back to normal. Um, that would be awesome. And, and maybe, you know, uh, if that happened, that'd be great. And, and it's possible, but it, it just doesn't look likely. When you have Adam Silver talking about the NBA season starting on Tuesday and perhaps going back into a quarantine, that's not the kind of news I wanted to hear. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, you know, I've, I, hey, I'll, I'll take summer hope right now. All right. Summer and the hope and the fun and summer, what it could be. Uh, I will I will keep that as sort of my bright light at the end of the tunnel. I know everybody talks about we're in the tunnel and it's the dark days and it is the dark days. But um, there is there is a summer and a fall, Kevin, that may eventually get us back to uh, Dignity Hell Sports Park and watching the galaxy in person. And I am I am very excited for that to be happening. And I hope that everybody gets to join us whenever that happens. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how MLS takes all of these different variables into account, whether or not we have a season, whether we have a strike, I could see a work stoppage quite honestly as well. So um, there's lots of little things that are going to be happening and probably rapidly here as we, uh, as we, as we uh, rocket towards um, the, the, the beginning of really the, the off season or the preseason, I should say the beginning of the preseason coming up. I mean, once you hit January 4th, um, you're in the preseason and I know it won't start for a little while and certainly we're going to get heads up on, on when that actually is. But that is to me, that's the preseason. Things are going to start happening. Things are going to start being uh, pointed in the right direction um, in order to get a league, uh, you know, started and, and back on the field. And we'll see if any of that happens. But that seems to me, at least like when we come back after after uh, 2021 starts, uh, things are going to start happening and we're going to find out whether this league is going to start on time, whether it's going to be delayed, all those things uh, a lot to sort of break down and, and try to figure out from a, a league perspective. So uh, I don't know. I, well, I have no predictions. Soccer, well, and soccer is different from any other sport. I mean, the NBA may be inching closer and perhaps the NHL has uh, quite a bit of diversity too, but no sport, no North American sport certainly has the, the, the kind of international reach that soccer does. I mean, MLS has, has, players from dozens of countries baseball has international players but mainly from the dominican cuba you know south america few from asia uh, they come to mls from all over the world and and that makes it difficult i know it's a global pandemic but each country has its own rules and you're you know uh, people are coming in from different environments and it's really hard to manage for that i i just think soccer has a much a much bigger problem uh, when it comes to managing the coronavirus at the beginning of a season. When people, I mean, you, you know, if you're from Slovenia, you're not going to spend your your winter holidays, your off time here. You're going to go back and see some family. And um, then when you come back, you're going to have to quarantine and do all those things. And that's stuff that I think other sports, for the most part, don't need to worry about, at least to the degree that soccer does. And, and that complicates things a little bit. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, let's get to a uh, little bit of the coaching updates that we have. Uh, if you were following along on Thursday night for our live show, uh, COG was able to break the news and bring you the news that the LA Galaxy had settled on a final target. They were working towards getting something signed um, and that they were hopeful there might be an announcement before Christmas. Hopeful as in uh, as in hopeful 
hopefully we can get that done and if not it'll probably happen um, afterwards and so those are the things that we sort of uh, talked about a little bit so on Friday uh, I believe we got uh, we got more information out and, and Grant Wall was able to uh, nail down that target and certainly it's somebody we've talked about a lot um, uh, and, and certainly somebody we've put in that prime position as the most likely target for the LA Galaxy and it was Craig Vanny uh, who the LA Galaxy are targeting COG can confirm that as well um, the interesting part about that is Jeff Carlisle added to that uh, from ESPN and also said that Dominic Kinnear is still in the hunt as well which would make sense until there is something signed with anybody the other person is going to be a part of that deal and we've talked about Kevin I think for a very long time about how Dominic Kinnear and Greg Vanny were like 1A and 1B um, as far as the LA Galaxy were concerned so um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if for some reason something twisted or something changed or things that sort of you know spiraled in one direction or the other and all of a sudden instead of you know Greg Vanny being up there it's Dominic Kinnear um, so I don't think any, last I checked, Kevin, nothing was done. Nothing was signed. Um, and so we, we're sort of in that that grace period. We're in that little period where things are in flux. And as we've seen before, uh, certainly things can change very, very rapidly whenever it comes to the L.A. Galaxy head coaching job. Well, what I know, I, I think you're, you're sort of getting some of the same information we may be talking to some of the same people, but my reporting tells me that they are at the point now where it's crossing T's and dotting I's, that, that most of the heavy lifting has been done. Um, another problem with MLS contracts, and we've run into this with Jorge Viafania. I looked into his situation with his agent, and the Viafania deal looks really good, like it will go through, but the contracts have to go to MLS for approval on some deals, not all, but in the case of Viafania, that's holding that up and they don't expect an announcement until after the first of the year, even though everybody knows the deal is done. I, I think maybe hiring a coach might have to go through MLS at some point too, but everyone feels pretty good about this. They're pretty far down the road. Um, you know, I think Vanny kind of tipped his hand when it was reported in late October that he had a deal and a, a contract extension with Toronto it was signed. It was a. It was agreed to. Excuse me. It wasn't signed, and Vanny did not sign it at the last minute. When did he not sign it? He did not sign it when Guillermo Barrascolota was fired. It was the same week. That's when Vanny decided he wanted to think about the Toronto deal. I, I think at that point you knew he was kind of tipping his hand that he wanted to come back to the Galaxy where he started um, and, and coach at Dignity Health Sports Park. So this has been something that's been in the works for a little while. Um, what I've also been told is that if it's not done, but say by Wednesday, if it's not ready to announce by Wednesday, they're going to wait at least until after the Christmas holidays, maybe until after New Year. Right now, if you remember when Scalotto got hired, um, it, it was actually right around Christmas. I think it might have been a day or two after Christmas. The deal was done, and the Galaxy confirmed it to me. But there was not an official announcement until after New Year's Day, and that's. Partly because the you know the galaxy don't want to interfere with people's holidays. They got the deal done. Why announce it? They had the deal done. It doesn't do them any good to announce it necessarily, if the guy signed. So they waited until after New Year so that they could get some good play in the media and it wouldn't interfere with the holidays. I I, I think that's going to happen again. But the, I I just want to add one more sort of uh, um, note of caution. When the Galaxy were hiring uh, last time, it was in early December that Porter, who was the favorite then, he actually went to the College Cup in Santa Barbara and was was talking to people about how he was already looking at the Galaxy roster. And this was the first week in December of that year. He was already looking at the Galaxy roster and what he wanted to do there and, and how players were going to fit together. 
Remember, they had the courtside uh, Laker game with Dan Beckerman and Chris Klein and Dennis DeClose was there. That was on a Monday, I think. By Wednesday, that deal had blown up. And it was to the point, again, where, where Kyle Porter was already looking at players he wanted to put on the field, where position they were going to be in. Everything was, seemed to be done, and it blew up. So uh, even though it looks like the Vanny deal is is way down the track um, until it's signed, until he's at a press conference uh, you know, welcoming himself to Dignity Health Sports Park, <laughs> I, I wouldn't get too overconfident. Also, you mentioned Dominic Kinnear. There's also one other candidate. We know that it's a foreign candidate. By foreign, we don't know whether that means Mexico or Europe, but there is one other candidate from overseas. Yeah, or, or anywhere else, by the way, just outside of the United States. Could be Canadian. Outside right? of the U.S. Hey, could be another Canadian. <laughs> That's right. It could be another Canadian. That's right. That's right. So, um, you know, whenever, whenever you, yeah, it's, you know, again, I think we pointed you in the right direction there. I think we were close on that um, in terms of where the LA Galaxy have been heading and where they're looking. Um, and so, you know, that's that's one of those things that you can sit there and sort of say, okay, this has made sense. This continues to make sense. Uh, Vanny seems like the number one target. It seems like all those things are falling into place. And, and right now, um, you know, ex, ex, except if there's like a dr- dramatic U-turn, Kevin, like we saw last time the LA Galaxy hired a coach, <laughs> um, you know, unless there's that, we you can, I think right now you're expecting that Greg Vanny is going to be the LA Galaxy's head coach and come, you know, January 4th, um, because I'm already starting to write off listen tuesday so we're recording on monday night on the 21st the 22nd is sort of their last chance i think to announce it before it gets lost in the holidays all right uh i think atlanta had their press conference with their coach today um and so you 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 could understand maybe not wanting to step on that but if you don't get it done to you know tomorrow tuesday and you don't make that announcement then then you're probably holding it because wednesday starts to float into the holiday right a lot of people aren't working on wednesday i know i'm not working thursday and friday so we have thursday friday saturday sunday all off and then trying to announce it between the holidays kevin is is sort of a turnoff time too a lot of people are not paying attention so you want eyes on this in the la galaxy want to make this a production um like they always do and because big clubs make big productions and make you know sort of the big announcements and so you want to have all that stuff ready um for uh for this announcement and so don't I just I feel like if it's not tomorrow on Tuesday that it's unlikely to be Wednesday. It still could be, but it's certainly not going to be Thursday. It's not going to be Friday, and then you go all the way through the weekend. The chances of it happening between the two holidays to me seems slim. Um, so January fourth, and then the fifth in those the Monday Tuesday after all that stuff is over is when I sort of look at that and say if there's no announcement in the next two days, you're probably looking until afterwards, and that also lines up, Kevin. Whenever you look at uh, perhaps getting somebody like you know Viafania. Coming in, um, it also helps the LA Galaxy optics-wise if you announce a head coach before you announce additional signings, right? Because everybody's going to sit there and say, "Well, you have a head coach. Well, you're going to announce signings. Who's making these signings? How are things going?" And um, as we sort of told you on Thursday, uh, we looked at this and said, "Hey, um, there's a good chance that if players are being..." Um, brought onto the team that perhaps that's being done with this target and perhaps in consultation with the target of the coaching that is going on as well. So that could be how things fall in place. You'll get a coach announcement and then you'll start to get some player announcements as well. Well, my feeling is it's not going to be announced before the first of the year, but I think that it will be done. And that's an important point is there are two parts to this. There is getting the coach signed. That's by far the most important part. Get him to agree to the contract, sign him, make sure he's not going anywhere else, take away the competition, allow 
other coaching candidates to have some closure that they know what's going on so that everybody at least has an idea of where things are going. Um, and then you can, can t- start talking to the coach. You can talk to him on Christmas Day if you want. You can talk to him next week about, hey, we're going to sign this guy. We'd like to spend our money this way. You can start planning. The second part, the part that you and I care about most, is the announcement. When right. do they tell the press? Well, there's no rush to that. They don't have – once he's signed, they can wait until the first game of the season when we – when we see who walks out and, and stands in the technical area. Right. I mean, there, there's no there's no deadline for that. There is a deadline for getting the coach signed. And so I think it will happen in two steps. I think they sign him probably this week. That would be what I would guess. I think, uh, you know, I think Vanny wants to get it done before Christmas too. Dennis wants to get it done. So they get it done and then everyone enjoys the holidays and then they make a big announcement after the first of the year. That's kind of how I see it going. Yeah, it's I feel I feel like that all lines up. So we'll see. We'll see how it uh, how it all plays out. But that's where your uh, your coaching update is right now. I think a lot of the craziness that has sort of gone around um, will die off and, and be a little bit uh, quieter right now. Um, and and again, it could be an announcement this week. I just I just don't see it. I think the announcement comes second. So um, all those things are, uh, are are lined up now. There is an interesting twist to all of this. Um, and certainly for I, I, listen, I'm going to start this off by saying there is no valid connection to the peop, to the person I'm about to talk about in the L.A. Galaxy. Uh, it is just people clamoring, I would imagine, for anarchy um, and craziness uh, by by mentioning this. But I at least want to mention it so that way I can knock it down and tell everybody that they're crazy. Uh, Miguel Herrera, uh, the the head coach at Club America, uh, after being ejected from his CCL Not happening. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, after being ejected from his CCL match uh, with uh, with LAFC, it was Club America versus LAFC, uh, and then relaying all of his instructions to his team via walkie-talkie, uh, he's been, been suspended even more games by CONCACAF. That is the person that several people have now said um, the LA Galaxy should go after. Um, and I, I sit there, and I, I shake my head. I mean, this is a guy who punched a reporter. Um, and by the way, if that was the reason that you wanted him to come here and you wanted him to punch some reporters, we can offer Kevin up for that regardless. I mean, you know, Greg Vanny can punch Kevin. I have no problems with that. Um, I don't know if Kevin has any problems with that. Um, but I've been punched by work. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, I mean, if that's your, your, somehow your attraction to, to Herrera trying to come to the LA galaxy to try to fix things, you're talking about a man who is, I will say very, very passionate about the sport and, and, you know, very, very, very uh, vocal about a lot of different aspects of the sport, including how bad MLS sucks. So um, a, a lot of those things sort of line up to say, no, he's not coming. But you're also asking a guy who who is, I would consider, very unstable uh, to come into a team that needs stability, that needs planning and purpose and you know, just that that rock solid presence in a manager of what to expect and, you know, sort of an even keeled sort of person and a personality right now. That's what you need from a manager that's coming into the L.A. Galaxy. Uh, and if you brought in Herrera, he would set all of that on fire. Uh, and the Galaxy, uh, you know, I, I don't think I'm telling anybody this. The Galaxy are already on fire. They don't need to be turned into a blowtorch. The You know, it's smoldering. There's flames. There's smoke. There's lots of things. It doesn't need to be turned into like, you know, a seven alarm fire in an industrial warehouse full of gasoline which is what you would do uh if you brought in uh herrera is it is anything that i'm saying like crazy to you kevin no let me weigh in on this real quickly um the positives the reason we're even talking about this miguel herrera worked with dennis DeClosa when they were both with the mexican national team program herrera was the coach remember uh, of mexico's world cup team in 2014 um he comes from a big club 
he has a big personality. He has a, a, a very good resume. All those are things that the Galaxy likes, the big personality, the resume. Uh, you know, he, he again, has a re- working relationship with the Closa. Here's why it's not happening. I think one thing Dennis learned from the Scalotto experiment or disaster um, is that you need to have an affinity and you need to have experience with MLS. It's a very different league. Um, then uh, you can have all the experience you want in Europe or in Mexico, but MLS, it's a continent-sized country. Um, you know, leagues are, teams are spread all over the place. The travel is really bad. Um, and, and if you don't know about that, and, and yes, Scalotto played here, but he played here 12 years ago. Um, it, the league has changed drastically and expanded much uh, uh, since then. So uh, Herrera doesn't have that experience with MLS. He doesn't like MLS. He's talked down MLS. I remember when he was coach of the World Cup team in 2014, he told his Mexican team players, do not go to MLS. You need to go play in the good league. Go to Europe. Play in Portugal. Play somewhere else. Don't go to MLS. And he's continued. Even on the eve of the game with LAFC, he was trash-talking MLS. I don't see how he can then show up coaching in MLS. So, I, you know, I just think that there's a lot of things against them. And and again, I would go to uh, what seems to be going on with Greg Vanny. People ask, you know, well, you know, if if you guys are down on Guillermo and you thought Guillermo should have got fired and you're, you know, you think there should be some changes in the front office, why does Dennis get away with it? How come you guys aren't calling for Dennis's head too? Well, because I think Dennis has learned. I think Dennis is making the right moves. I think Dennis admitted that, hey, going with a coach that didn't know MLS was a mistake. And Dennis is correcting that mistake. Um, and I think Miguel Herrera, going with Miguel Herrera would be a step back. Another thing with Herrera, his English is not very good. Um, I've heard from people uh, in the locker room, the Galaxy locker room, that the fact that Guillermo could not communicate in English was a big factor in the team's uh, uh, struggles last year. Yeah, it, I mean, you know, it, there were a lot of negatives. I think the biggest negative that really we've seen, Kevin, whenever we look at, at you know, Scalotto, it was, you know, just tactical indifference, I will say, uh, more than anything. And so, you know, I, I think the idea there is to understand that in Major League Soccer, you have to have a coach that that does the best to get or, or, or does his best to get the best out of the players that he has at his disposal. They're not all going to be Zlatan. Um, you know, they're not all going to be uh, Christian Pavone. And so you have to coach up and you have to work on the guys who are around your big name players. And I don't get the sense that uh, Gamma Barrascalotto did that. I don't think Herrera uh, certainly will understand that or want to try to do that um, with the LA Galaxy. And by the way, there's no chance he's coming to the LA Galaxy. The links to him are just are, are, are nuts. Again, I, I think it's just, you know, it's the anarchy choice, which is let's just let's blow everything up, because if that would be the case, then that's what you're, you're asking for. You're asking for, you know, the dynamite to be thrown, um, you know, into the mine and just blow it all up, let it all cave in. And, and you know, you'll you'll rebuild on the rubble later. So um, that that's sort of where it is now. Here's the. I think. Can we move on from Herrera? Is there anything else? And, and Scalotto, is there anything else that you no. want to touch on that? OK, OK, good. Um, we didn't even need to do that much. Yeah, I know. It was already too many too many minutes on, on that. Um, there's other things that are going on, though, and, and certainly there is team building that is taking place, and we've talked about, you know, Viafania um, and the likelihood that, that he will be joining the LA Galaxy, and that seems, you know, pretty solid in terms of... Uh, uh, of when that's going to happen. So expect that after uh, after January 1st. Uh, we talked about it on Thursday. Kevin talked about it tonight. Um, so, I, you know, we're in the correct uh, correct zone to talk about him. Um, but there are other things that go on in the offseason. And I think that a lot of times because general managers are not 
necessarily people, Kevin, who jump up and down and say, hey, look what I did. Because, you know, everything that you do as a GM or everything that you do in a club is sort of, you know, that's your that's your your, your personal property. That's your IP, your intellectual property, right? It's the things that you do to make you better than everybody else. And I think that a lot of times it just it, it's not spelled out as much as it should be. And, you know, we know that that the L.A. Galaxy are meeting with other management groups. Um, and that means with management, you know, other teams outside of Major League Soccer, um, perhaps in Mexico, perhaps perhaps in Argentina. And what happens in these things, Kevin, is that the, the general managers go and they sit down at a table in front of each other. And even during the pandemic, personal relationships are important. So this is stuff that, you know, is 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 taking place um, even with a pandemic. Sometimes you can do it via Zoom, but it's about the personal relationships. And a lot of it is handing over you know rosters and sort of sitting there and saying well how are how are you handling this particular situation and you know they talk and there's an exchange of ideas and it's like here's my roster let me see your roster and then they look and it doesn't mean that they went into this with a deal in mind there is no deal in mind but they're looking for things that could be mutually um, beneficial to both parties and if you look at those things and you have that personal relationship, when something does pop up, let's say, you know, hey, you're talking to, um, you know, a team down in Mexico and they're like, you know, we have some extra midfielders here and this guy really needs some playing time, you know, and, and if you're the like Alex, you're like, we got so many midfielders, we don't know what to do. So that's not going to work. But all of a sudden you have three injuries and you got rid of somebody and there's there's this hole there and you're like, you know, we had this discussion before. Let me pick up the phone and start calling people. And so the meetings that are happening right now are setting the stages for things that could happen in the January transfer window, in the summer transfer window, all those things. And I know for a fact the LA Galaxy are having these meetings right now with other clubs um, you know, around the world, around uh, outside of the United States, and are having those meetings to, to sort of like, hey, let's come together. Let's let's just see if maybe we can, uh, as, as uh, one of my old bosses uh, said, always take the opportunity to, to hear about an opportunity, right? So go, talk, discuss. Maybe something will happen that you didn't even know could happen. Um, and and that's some of the stuff that goes on in the offseason, um, you know, between general managers all across the United States, all across the world. Well, you mentioned general managers sort of not tooting their own horn. It's a tough position because think about it. The players play the game and 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 if they score the goal, they're the they're winning goal. They're the hero. Um, you know, the managers make decisions if they send a substitute on and you win the game, they're the hero. The only time you hear about the general manager is when things go bad. And then all of a sudden, he didn't build the team correctly. When's the last time you heard a general manager lauded because the team won a championship? It rarely happens. It's it's kind of a thankless job. But to what you were just talking about, you know, um, Dennis still has his home in the Villarreal section of Guadalajara. Uh, you know, he, he, he's gone there. To, when the season ended, he and his family went down there for a while. Uh, um, uh, again, they kept their home. And so they're, they were down in Mexico. They may still be there. Um, I think two of the teams that we know that he talked to are Atlas and, and Chivas. Why? Because they're in Guadalajara and he's in Guadalajara. That makes a lot of sense. Chivas is also the team where Yuri Antuna is. I don't know if that is uh, anything that's active, but certainly Antuna enjoyed his time here. And I think the team enjoyed having him here. Um, and it makes perfect sense for Dennis to go back and talk to the people from Chivas because that's where he grew up as an executive with the Chivas people. Now I know that there's been a lot of change there and I don't know how many people he still knows there, but it's a club, uh, an environment with which he feels familiar. So certainly he's going to have those conversations and those conversations will lead to others. You know, as, as teams change front offices, they come in with, Hey, I worked in Colombia for a while. You might want to check this situation out in Medellin. Maybe there's a guy there that can help you. 
all these general managers are in the business of helping one another. Yes, they're competitive, but they move around so much. Um, and sometimes it's a third or fourth com- uh, conversation you have is the one that leads you to the player you want. So even when you're competing with another general manager for a player, you're still having these conversations. That's all good. That doesn't mean they're going to sign anybody this year, next year, or five years down the road. But maybe six years down the road, they land a guy that really makes a difference. So, yeah, you're right. These conversations are natural, normal. They happen in every sport. And the fact that, that Dennis is down there talking to people in Mexico might mean something, might not. But it's, it's all for the good. Yeah, it also should be noted that uh, with visas and visa renewals and all stuff like that, usually you have to go out of the country to come back in. Um, and so uh, it's just uh, an interesting time all around. So, um, yeah, that's that's sort of where we sit uh, with in terms of the LA Galaxy, at least what I understand, what you understand. And so we wanted to set that. But there's there's just this just this little inkling of something fell 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 into my lap I guess today or, or reading through ESPN and listen uh, I think Kevin and I do our best to try to be uh, stay uh, uh, up to date on everything that happened with the LA Galaxy and I can't possibly be tracking all of the rumors that are going on and this one at least um, is not surprising because we had told you uh, about some interest from some big name clubs uh, for this particular player. Uh, in the past, uh, we just didn't know if it was going to happen this winter or if it was going to happen in summer. So ESPN comes out and is reporting that uh, uh, Juventus, uh, yeah, that Juventus, um, is is interested in uh, LA Galaxy right back Julian Araujo. Uh, this is this is this is very interesting one because Juventus has about four MLS players that they seem to be uh, keeping an eye on according to this article. Um, FC Dallas duo Brian Reynolds and Ricardo Pepe. Uh, New York Red Bulls midfielder Caden Clark and LA Galaxy right back Julian Araujo. Um, the, we had talked about Julian Araujo, Kevin, and about his sort of step into the spotlight and whether anybody would be willing to pull the trigger on a 19-year-old kid who was playing on a fairly porous back line but was standing out in most of the games uh, that he played and was voted Defender of the Year for the LA Galaxy in 2020. Um, this is a, a, a kid... Uh, Kevin, you and I first met whenever he came up to the to the uh, senior team and was sort of this mouseish, uh, quiet, uh, reserved kid who has now turned into, I will say, a, a man who uh, who has opinions, speaks them well, um, and has turned out to be just a, a really nice kid. And I'm sure he was always a nice kid. It's just it's nice to see and sort of talk to him um, and, and see where he's at. He's been on this podcast many t- uh, a couple times. I would say many times, but hopefully many more times uh, coming up. But um, this is one of those things, Kevin. We didn't know if it was going to happen this winter, um, but now it looks like Juventus, um, not not a small club, by the way, um, a large club, but Juventus are looking at possibly uh, uh, getting Julian Araujo. What do you what do you take from all that? What does Judy have any big name players? <laughs> yeah, there's a couple. I mean, you know, there's there's this one guy <laughs> named Ronaldo that I've heard of before. Um, that I'm glad the hammer's not on right now because otherwise we'd have to fawn over Ronaldo for 25 minutes. Um, but he's there. Weston McKinney's there, right? Um, we talked a little bit beforehand. Well, so yeah, but Julian Araujo is not going to be Weston McKinney. He's not going to come over and step in and start right away. Um, you know, you you've been high on Julian Araujo uh, all year. I I think he's shown. A lot of rough edges, you know, the, the, the disciplinary actions that he had, you know, the, the many yellow cards. He sort of loses control every once in a while. I think he's a, a incredible talent, and I, I, I'm not discounting the fact that he will be playing for in Europe someday, maybe for a big club. I just don't think that, that a club like Juventus wants to bring him over uh, and have him be a integral part of the first team right now. If he goes over, I think he plays for the reserves. 
Uh, I think he's someone that maybe they get involved in their in their team and their system, uh, sort of like Conrad de la Fuente now at Barcelona. He's not, you know, uh, he is not ready at this point to be a Serginho dancer or a, a Weston McKinney. Uh, I would have thought that a, a club like that would have waited one or two more years and let him develop more with the Galaxy, where he's around family and and has a you know support uh, system. And um, uh, but but maybe they're getting the the uh, the sense that other clubs are interested in him as well, and uh, they want to strike whether why they can before it, you know the competition gets too big. Um, again, I think he's going to wind up in Europe. I just think now is too early, and if he goes, I think it it's more of a development thing, a thing that that the club is going to take two and three years maybe to, to, to get him up to speed where he's a first-team player. Uh, it's great for him, but I just don't know that he's necessarily going to be go over there and, and start and play in Syria on, have a lot of minutes. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's certainly whenever you go to a big club, that is that is one of the questions. And and if you look at what Juve are looking at with, you know, these four players, it's, yeah, they're, they're trying to get some deals in here. And now there has been success with American players. There's been success here. And, and MLS is a place where they should be able to pick up, you know, cheaper options. Nobody's paying $20 million for Julian Araujo. Um, you know, could it be seven or eight or nine or 10 or 12? I mean, for a big club like Juventus, yes, it could be. Um, and so you look at all these things and you, and you put it there. If you're the LA Galaxy, holding on to him for a year could end up, you know, uh, damaging his value. Um, and so there's, for a club right now that I will say is in a delicate financial position and just, uh, it's been reiterated at many points talking to many people about how the LA Galaxy have to spend smart this year. Um, it's one of the reasons that the negotiations with Christian Pavone are going to be uh, I, I think abbreviated. Yes, they're going to be sort of, you know, they're, they're they're being drawn out, but it's going to be very short sort of spurts on that. It's not going to be this back and forth and back and forth. It's the, they're going to, the LA Galaxy are going to pay a certain amount and that's going to be it um, because they have resources that they want to spend on other things and other, other players. And if they can't get Pavone for a certain amount, that's, that's important. But if you go here and you find, you know, Julian Araujo, which is it, it, Julian Araujo puts the LA Galaxy in a really interesting situation um, and maybe a bad situation. If you remember, Kevin, Julian Araujo was signed to the senior team a couple months before he'd really be eligible to be a homegrown player, right? He was brought into the academy. You have to be with the academy a certain amount of time, and I forget what that is. But basically, the LA Galaxy were like, we can't wait. Julian Araujo needs to come up. And when they did that, they basically waived any chance of him being a homegrown player. And the reason that that matters is a couple different things. One is we just went through a um, you know expansion draft, right? And Julian Rajo needed to be protected because he's not a Generation Adidas player and he's not a homegrown player. If he was a homegrown player, he'd be exempt from that expansion draft. The LA Galaxy wouldn't have had to protect him. And maybe they could have protected somebody like Joe Corona. I'm not saying they already didn't want to get rid of Joe Corona, but that's just just a, a, a an example, right? Have to protect Julian Araujo uh, because he's the future of your club and maybe you let somebody like Joe Corona go. And if you waited a little bit for Julian Araujo, maybe he's a homegrown player and you wouldn't have to make that decision. That's one thing. The other part about this is the transfer fee. Uh, if he's a homegrown player, Julian Araujo is a homegrown player. All of a sudden, if they sell to uh, Juventus, uh, they get all of that money. 
all of the money. MLS gets none of it. Uh, uh, the LA Galaxy would get you know every single cent that comes in there. As it is, Major League Soccer has taken a a much less percentage of these big sales, and I want to say it's around 15, 20, or thirty percent. And I'd have to look it up again to to really understand it again. Um, but it's a lot less. It, it's a lot less than it was, where maybe at one point it was like forty or fifty percent in, in that range. So they've scaled way back. But the bottom line is that that's money that's going to go to Major League Soccer. That if you had been able to wait a couple of months, could have gone into the pockets of the LA Galaxy, and that's money that you could spend on the team in certain ways. Uh, you're only allowed to take, I think, a million of it and turn it into general allocation money, um, so you could get that. That and that's that's interesting, and that works for you, and that helps with the salary cap and all those things that you want to do. Um, but you probably go out and and do other things, sign coaches. I believe you might even be able to use on designated players as well. So you could talk about an extra couple of million that you could have in your pocket that perhaps could help you buy Christian Pavone. I mean, these are the things that will be. Um, kicked around and looked at. But the bottom line is Julian Araujo not being a homegrown player, Kevin, means the LA Galaxy will get less money if there is a sale. And being we're not talking probably about $20 million, maybe we're talking in the single digits up to 10, um, that ends up you know hurting, I, I think, a little bit. Well, and you talked about they want to get this done according to the ESPN report. This is in the January transfer window. So uh, people who are interested in this, keep an eye on what happens with Rolf Felcher. Um, he was not, ex- you know, his contract is not extended, but he's someone that the Galaxy say they are still talking to. He cost about $220,000 uh, last time we saw a contract, which was in 2019. We don't know what he got paid last year. Um, I think the Galaxy was ready to part ways with him, but if it looks like Julian Araujo could be leaving at any minute, I don't think they want to go to training camp without uh, some sort of veteran right-back presence. So watch what happens with Ralph Felcher. There's another thing. You said something very interesting, which doesn't happen all that often, so I wanted to comment on it. You talked about how Weston McKinney and all these other players, American players in Europe, remember they just had a U.S. national team training camp and played two friendlies. With the exception of Sebastian Legette, um, everybody else was from Europe. So there are a lot of players playing in in top teams in Europe. We mentioned Weston McKinney. Everyone knows Christian Pulisic, and, um, you know, the list goes on and on. Gio Reyna. you know, Tyler Adams, there's a lot of players there. That's why people are looking at uh, teams are looking and big teams are looking at players like Julian Araujo. It's like, Hey, we tried an MLS guy here at, uh, at, uh, in Italy and it worked. They, th- these were great players. They're coachable. Uh, you know, they're athletic. They do really well. Uh, that has uh, the success of those young players. And remember, we're talking about Weston McKinney with uh, us soccer's player of the year at 22, Julian Araujo's 19. Um, that's, you know, teams are starting to look at those young American players and thinking they can play. We haven't seen that before. Yes, there have been Americans that have played, but not in these great numbers in these young ages. And now big clubs looking at them. They're not having to go and play in the championship or the second division in Germany. These are big uh, clubs with long histories that are now looking at young U.S. players and trying to sign them. That's that's new. It's novel and it's great. And I hope it continues. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's an interesting time right now. So, I mean, the floodgates I think are opened up on MLS. I think the floodgates are open on American players. I think that there's value that other, you know, you remember how we always talked about Kevin as oh well, you got to go to the South America and get the value because the the young South Americans you can get for cheaper and they're just as good and blah blah blah. I mean, that's that's what people in Europe right now are saying about MLS and and some of these American players. It's not full on hey, you got to buy everybody up, but I think that the the flow between players, uh, the flow between between, you know, different 
different teams and and Major League Soccer are going to start opening up a little bit. Um, and now it's a matter of whether or not you can get people work permits and, and all sorts of fun stuff that that comes with. And Julian Araujo's inclusion in the U.S. men's national team certainly is part of that. Um, and so we'll see how that all plays out. There's always always issues in terms of uh, how players go and when they can go. But uh, Julian Araujo could be, and I've been saying it for a while, so I feel a little vindicated. I know Kevin's going to hate on it until it happens. Um, but I, I really think that Julian Araujo could go this winter. Um, I had heard that perhaps the summer would be a better time, and maybe that's still the case. Um, but we'll see what happens with, with Julian Araujo there. All right. Um, Anything else on uh, on Julian Araujo or anything uh, other LA Galaxy related that you wanted to touch upon? We're talking about the Galaxy. Um, yeah. No, I, I, um, we're not going to end the show now. We got to talk about something else. This is too short. No, 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 no. Shortest day of the year. Shortest, shortest show of the year. That's that was my goal on on this particular one, especially before uh, before the holidays kick off here. Uh, remember, no show on Thursday. Uh, no. Thursday shows until I think January 7th was one of those because I'm not recording on either of the eves um, Christmas Eve or uh, or New Year's Eve although a New Year's Eve countdown um, would be just horrible because I'll probably be in bed by 930 um, so that that won't happen either so yeah that's sort of that's sort of what we said I mean there's there's listen there's not that much to talk about is there I mean the LA Galaxy feel it seems like Greg Vanny is going to be the coach we think that um, you know Miguel Herrera is not going to be the coach we're pretty sure about that I mean going over this stuff you know Julian Araujo could go to Juventus uh, I heard I think at one point Liverpool was also mentioned as well so just keep all that stuff in mind this is not over um and that the LA galaxy are working on things behind the scenes you can see um at least from where you and i are sitting that they are working on different things and so um you know i think if if the quietness makes people uneasy which certainly it makes people uneasy i know because i see it all the time uh but with the quietness in the end if it makes you uneasy know that there is work being done behind the scenes and that that you know, eventually will result in signings of players and coaches and everybody else. And there will be lots of news coming. I, I feel like here in the, uh, in the first part of the year. Well, speaking of lots of work being done, have you been following Chicharito's uh, social media post where it seems like every other day he's shirtless uh, on a hike on a jogging trail somewhere? Um, how much of this are you buying? Is there, are, does he just walk up there and take a picture and try to get everyone to think he's working out? Is he newly dedicated? Uh, is this all just uh, um, a PR campaign? Where are you on Chicharito right now? It's a PR campaign. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know that that means okay. that I don't know that that means that it's that it's fake, right? But it's a PR campaign. Um, absolutely, hundred percent. That is why he's doing it, and he knows he has an image to repair, not just here in the United States, but uh, everywhere around the world, and all of his followers and all the people. I mean. He has to repair that image. So it's a PR campaign. It just doesn't mean that 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 it's not real. And I would never take that away from somebody who, who at least looks like Kevin. They are working very hard. And if that's the case, then that's the case. And that's that's his brand um, that he's trying to repair. I mean, that that doesn't bother me. I, it, I'm glad I, I want everybody to work hard. Um, I think that the L.A. Galaxy have been working extremely hard, you know, for the last couple of years um, and had crappy results for it. So maybe somebody can work hard um, and really turn some things around. We saw it with uh, a little bit with Efrain Alvarez, where he worked hard in the offseason, you know, the, the diet and some things. And I think you can say there were some mild improvements on the field there. And so if he continues that, maybe he can take the next step forward. Maybe the guy we're talking about in 2021 isn't Julian Araujo. Maybe it's Efrain Alvarez this time. Um, that he finally realizes all of the uh, all of the the plaudits and and everything that has been put on his plate, and that he is the the next guy that's going to be the big deal. Um, having said that, for Chicharito, if he doesn't do this and he comes out, I mean, 
you know, with one year, supposedly, we'll see, with one year left on his contract after the 2021 season, um, it could get real ugly if, if Chicharito scores, you know, <laughs> I think somebody said, is he going to double his goal output from uh, from 2020? And I'm like, that that would still not be good enough. Um, just just every Yeah, that would be like four. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not enough. Uh, well, not, not from a guy that's that You know, big. when you speak of... Uh, when you speak of Efrain Alvarez, I thought it was really interesting if you read between the lines of what Greg Berhalter said when he called Efrain into, into training camp with the U.S. national team. Obviously, he had done his homework. He knew what the uh, the knock-on Alvarez was. He knew what the problems were here internally with the Galaxy because the first time he was asked a question about Efrain, it was almost as like he was reading from a script. He said, oh, he looks so fit. He really works hard. I could see playing him in a number of different positions. He could be a midfielder. He could be a winger. I could even play him as a false nine. Um, he has so much talent. He's a great passer. He was just basically ticking off all the boxes. Yes, he's had problems with fitness in the galaxy, but we think that he's fit. Um, yes, he's had problems with being able to play 90 minutes. We think he can play 90 minutes. And, and it was so interesting hearing that. What I don't know is – who was the target of that uh, campaign? Was he trying to tell Dennis that one of the things he did say is he needs to play more. He should be playing more. I don't understand why he didn't play more minutes this year. Was he trying to tell the Galaxy that this guy's a good player and he needs to play more? Was he trying to light a fire under Efrain and say, we see a lot of good things there. You need to, to dedicate yourself. You know, three coaches now have tried to do that with him, and it really has work I just thought it was interesting he and you know again he was he was talking the script that we've heard so often guy with a lot of talent just really doesn't seem to have to dedicate have he doesn't seem to um, have been able to dedicate himself and hasn't been able to stay fit um, that to me that was just interesting that 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 Greg Berhalter had picked up on all those things and was trying to motivate either Ephraim the galaxy maybe both yeah it's uh it's all again it comes down to man management and you need to get the best out of your players. And sometimes, you know, it's, I think if you go to the Bruce arena school of things, it's always, you know, don't try to be a, somebody you're not. And where did, where did Greg, where did Greg learn his man management? Yeah. Bruce arena. Yeah, I know it's a, it, there's a, that, that coaching tree we have been, uh, we have been following now for, for a while and, and in just the different ways. Um, so yeah, uh, very interesting times. All right. I'm, I'm serious. I'm not talking anymore. I'm, I'm done. So you're done too. I'm, I'm calling it. We're good. We're good. Okay. Uh, I'm done. Happy holidays, everybody wear a mask. Yep. No, that all makes sense. Happy holidays for sure. Um, I think I think that does it again. No show on Thursday. Uh, we'll be back again, I believe, next Monday. Uh, we'll have an update for you. Hopefully, uh, there's some some more interesting stuff that has happened in the quiet period. And if there's nothing to talk about, we won't have a show, but you can probably count on us figuring something out. After all, we talked for like, you know, 45, 50 minutes on this show. So we, we, we somehow stretch that into something, uh, a quiet day. So if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11 and head on over to the LA Times where Kevin covers all the soccer in Southern California and the U.S. men's national team, women's national team, um, all that stuff's right there, latimes.com. So, uh, you know, go get a subscription. Uh, follow Kevin. Kevin does a great job. Subscribe to his newsletter as well. That's always positive. And you'll see that our podcast usually makes it on that newsletter. So uh, there you go, latimes.com for Mr. Kevin Baxter. If you're looking for me on Twitter, at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast, uh, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com where our theme just updated, broke most of the website, but I have it mostly fixed and I'll be fixing the rest of it probably from the next month. So uh, that'll be fun as well. Cornerofthegalaxy.com is where you can find that. A great new article from The Hammer uh, and from Romero as well. So for Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Patogesman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Happy holidays, everybody. We will see you next week. Have a great one. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. 
You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>